Welcome to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast. My name is David. As always, thank you for another week of the best and worst of being a kinship carer, kinship kid, and everything in between. Uh, as always, if you want to get in touch with us, the easiest way is through our website, uh, through our social media, through Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can obviously uh, subscribe through the podcast. Yeah, you can comment, like, share, and let let everyone know about this. If you like it, let us know. If you hate it, let us know. The email will always be on there. So if you have any direct questions, any thoughts, any topics that you want us to go through, do please uh, let us know. Now, this is going to be a sort of, I don't want to say a rehash, but it's going to be a re um, a relook at a topic that we did, well, I did earlier uh, last year, which was about contact. Now, um, contact is probably one of the most complicated parts of being a kinship carer and if you've ever if you've ever been part of a, a like a like a divorce family you talk about custody and those type of things um it's along the same lines although it's a lot more complicated um so the, the way it would work in regards to kinship care is that nine times out of ten the the, the child is staying with whoever it is the kinship care the parent uh, the, the the other parent even uh, the grandparents uh, friend whoever it would be who is being the kinship care that they would stay with now there are times when one of the things that they are trying to do is get the child to reunite with the mother now or the mother or the parents or whatever it would be a lot of times this is because although they have neglected the child or there's been some sort of instance you know we we have to always acknowledge that people are fallible, that people can make mistakes and people can learn from them, people can uh, get, get back to normal. Um, but that's not always the case. Now, the problem with contact in general is that when you first start with kinship care, um, the actual idea of reuniting of the family is usually uh, you know quite high on the on the list of things you know unless there is absolute you know this is the multiple time this has happened and you know, things like that uh, usually something's happened they've neglected the child they didn't know what they were doing they've made mistakes they are addicted they have addictions drugs alcohol whatever it would be and they are now given the chance to get back to some sort of sense of normality whether it's a case of going clean whether it's a case of just going on parenting courses because a lot of the times what people don't really realize is that you know a lot of kinship parents are younger uh, i'm sorry kinship parent the parents that have been taken off they're generally younger you know it's very rare that the kinship parents who have taken sorry have had their kids taken off them the parents it's very rare that they are in their 20s 30s you know so on it's usually a younger parent it's a um, you know a teenager you know, early 20s they're the ones who you know, quite frankly don't know what they're doing now you know when i start when i start when i when I had my first child, and I was, I think I just turned 30, um, I'd had 30 years to learn how to look after myself, how to look after bills, how to sort out a house. You know, when you're 18, when you're 18 and under, it's, you, know, you don't really get that kind of information. You know, we're talking about uh, previously, and uh, when we're talking about the screen time thing, about how much information you can get out there. You know, it's, it, it's, it was, you know, it, it's, it, you could say, well, it's hard not to know what to do with a child. But if you go by the book, you know, a lot of times you can neglect a child just you know, by re, by going by the letter of the law. I remember when when I, I said when I had our, our first child and the rule was you, you fed them every four hours. 
And that's it. It said in the you read you fed them every four hours. There was no sort of ifs and buts or you know that's it. And our child was crying, crying, crying. When we actually spoke to the nurse about it, they were just like, "Well, if they're crying, they may be hungry." And when we said, "Well, it says every four hours," they were like, "Well, ignore that. If they're hungry, feed them." And and it's hard to sort of you know, when you're trying to do it by the book. You know, you forget about things like that. You know, there's you know, we heard stories when we went through our kinship process, and you hear stories about um, you know, we heard stories about mums giving children milk, and I don't mean SMA, you know, powder milk or anything. Like that. We're talking about you know, milk from a bottle, and they just simply didn't know. They don't they don't know that there is not enough nutrients. There's not enough of what they need to start growing and developing in just normal cow's milk. Um, but this mum, you know, you can't say that they were neglecting them because they were feeding the child, they were feeding them milk, they were doing it every day and everything, but they just weren't giving them the right things. Um, but you can go and learn that. You can go on parenting courses, you can learn about, okay, how do you bath a child? Do you put them in head, head first? Do you throw, you, what, what, you know, what, you know the, te- the temperature of the water? How do you do this? How do you, you, you know, there, there's so many aspects of looking after a child that you don't, you know, it, it would take, you know, a book. I mean, there are books out there. You know, there's, you know, all those uh, ch- you know, child child uh, child raising books and, you know, what to do when you, ha- you find out you've got a child and all those type of books, um, you know, that you can learn, you know, how to put on a nappy, how to make a bottle. You know, it's, it's not... Uh, it's not as easy as a lot of people think. The water has to be this temperature, has to be this. You know, so you know, if you are a younger person who's not had these life experiences of looking after nephews or or brothers and sisters or anything else like that, or or you know, later on in life, um, you might not know what you're doing, and it seems it, it seems unfair at that point to to blame them, and then that's it. You do, you're never getting the child back. You have to give them that chance to. Um, to develop and to learn and to you know, prove that they are worthy of being a mother or a dad or you know, a parent in general. Um, and it it's really hard. And the, one of the hardest parts about that is the fact that contact still exists. You know, I've, I've said this um, many times about how there's so many people who, when, the, when you say, oh, I've had them since he was eight weeks old or I've had them since birth, a lot of people think, "Wow, that you know, you he won't know any better." But but because contact exists, yes, they do. They know better. They know that there's this other person or other people that they go to see every week or every day or every other week or however it works, and you are not their parents. You know, it's almost like your rule rule number one is that you have to more or less acknowledge that you are not their parent. And because of that, you can't go the route of adoption or fostering where you, if they're young enough, you could pretend that they're actually yours. And then later on, they find birth certificates and that's a whole other issue. Um, but that, but the thing about contact is that it can be such a strenuous thing, mainly because we're never taught what to do. You are, you know, A lot of times contact is uh, administered by a, like a social worker or a team like of, of, uh, of, I don't want to say watchers, but that's what these are. You know, they observe and, and they make sure everything is okay and make sure they're safeguarding and everything. Uh, but the actual act of going to a centre or going to a school or going to a club, you know, wherever it would be, and then having to drop the child off. I mean, you have to wonder what kind of traumatic 
experience the, the the you know a lot of our kinship kids have you know, separation anxiety and you can understand that maybe that's because they were removed from their parents at such a young age but it's also if they get getting just dumped and brick picked up and dumped again you know it's going to have such a, a massive issue um the one thing i would always say with contact no matter when it is whether it's part of the the, you know, the legal process when you're trying to find out whether you're going to get an sgo or whether you're actually going to be keeping the child or anything like that is you have to do it based on what you feel comfortable with so if if the if the social worker comes along and says right contact's going to be you know, five days a week monday, monday to friday five days a week if you think physically that's going you, you you're not going to be able to do that you have the right to say no. You know, you have the right to say, I'm not, you know, one of the worst things that ever happened to us uh, on our kinship journey was that we never knew that we could say no. I, I remember we were speaking to, I think it was people at Kinship Care Liverpool, um, and we said, you know, we can't cope with this. We're having to go to these centres every day. And and it's just that, you know, the fact of the matter was, you know, the, the, the kinship, the, the contact was at like 10 o'clock till one o'clock. And so it wasn't even, you know, that you could go and do something you had to stay around the center and you've only got what two out yeah by the time you got went back home you probably have to come back so we were just burnt out having to do this contact and especially my wife was doing a lot of it um and we were speaking to her and they just told us you can request that this gets reduced you can tell them and this is the one thing you always have to make it's, it's almost like an ace in the hole that you always have to say is breakdown of placement now the last thing any social worker, any council, government, authority, whatever it is, even the parents, will want is that is that um, is is that placement to break down. If that placement breaks down, what it means is it's an upheaval for everyone because now they have to find someone else who can do it. Now they have to. If you can, if you use that phrase, and I, you know, I, I hate to say, well, that's your ace in the hole. Uh, but it is if you say to them i can't do contact five days a week it has to be this or this placement will break down they will immediately look to to, to help you now they might not be able to give you everything if you say well i don't want there to be any contact whatsoever then they have to you have to meet them part way somewhere you know whether it's one once a week or a couple of times a week or every other day whatever it would be as long as it helps everyone because what you'll find a lot of the times is the parents will actually say the same thing they'll say you know, it's it's a struggle for them. You know, they're going through counselling, they're going through rehab, they're going through all these things, trying to get their life back together. But then also having to do contact, and that's another you know three four hours out of their day to having to travel to a contact centre, whatever it would be. Um, so sometimes, you know, if you can't if you speak to people, you know, a lot of times you feel obligated, or you you know, you find this a lot when whenever you do the friends and family conferences. You find that you you really want to give as much you want you want to help this this family stay connected. You know, you do in some cases. You you want them to have as much contact as you can, and you you do you want them to be. But then when you actually look at the logistics of it, of saying, well, actually once a week, every week for the next eighteen years, does that really look? Does that seem realistic? You've got to take into account the school your know, school. You know, you've got to take into account that they will be going to clubs. They'll be going to friends' house. They'll want to go to on holiday. You imagine saying that to a child. We, we, you can't go on holiday because you've got mandated contact every Wednesday with your parents. So you can't go on holiday ever, ever, ever. Now, obviously, you know, that's the extreme versions of it. 
But I would definitely say that you have the authority. At the end of the day, once that child is placed with you, you have the authority to say, this is what will keep this placement going. So if you say it'll only once a week, only once a month, um, whatever it will be, it has to be a Saturday. It has to be at this time. You have to be here, here at nine and then we, we pick them up at four or whatever it would be. Um, you have to come and get him. It has to be in the center, whatever it would be. Because at the end of the day, we're not trained for safeguarding. You know, we know what safeguarding is. But when you look at the letter of the law of what safeguarding is, anything like that, we don't get enough training to do this. Now, one of the things that's been brought up, especially with this, um, you know, this government care review and everything, is about the training and everything. And one of the things I brought up was maybe we just need to be trained how to deal with you know, safeguarding and contact and things like that, you know, just so that we know what are we looking for, what we're we not looking for. We're looking for signs of, you know, of, of whatever it is, but we don't, we, do, we don't get any of that kind of training. So when they come back from contact, we, we, we sort of just have to take it as read that as long as, as long as the child's not crying and they don't tell us that something happened, that nothing happened. Now, generally with contact, there is someone there with them. Uh, that's usually the mandated thing until, uh, until the child's of, of age where they can report back what's happened um, and that is a really important thing as well is that you have to be able to uh, to, to trust the parents and everything else um, you hear a lot of times you know parents will always say oh you know as soon as I get hold of the child I'm going to run away it's very rarely that they would do that you know it, it, it can happen uh, but you know you have to take it as a pinch of salt but again as a safeguarding issue if they do say that you can sit there and say, right, well, we're we're stopping contact altogether, you know, until they start t telling us what they're going to be doing, how they're going to do it. You know, they really need to get everything uh, in place because, uh, for me, um, contact is probably one of the most problematic parts of being a kinship carer because of the fact that you know there are times when the pet, the, the child doesn't want to go. You know, they you know, you know, and then you get the uh, the issue of. Um, of course, when they do go to the parents' house or wherever it is, and they are showered with gifts and they're given this and they're given that, and they come home and it's such a great time. They've had, they've gone out, they've had fun, they've gone to the zoo, they've gone to the park, they've played. Your mum, your mum and dad's got a video game that I can play on. I've watched this film. They went to, they, they gave me popcorn, and you can't you you can tell them you know I'd rather you didn't give them sweets or you you know, they're on this type of diet. You know, we're looking at this, we're looking at that. You know, but at the end of the day, unless it's set in stone and you can then say, well, that's not happening ever again. Um, you know, fortunately it has to, has to keep going. And once the, if you are looking at things like SGOs, special guardian support and things like that, the one of the things that you do need to, I, I mean, we never did it and it, it was our mistake because it was just, you know, the paperwork was so immense is to have that social worker, whoever it is who's handing them off and everything else is that you have to get them to explain in as, as as much detail as you need and again this is your need uh what how this placement is going to how the contact is going to work who is going to administrate it what's going to happen at that point and you know what are your what are your legal obligations because a lot of times when you it, it it's funny because as soon as that SGO goes in place a lot of people think well, right that's it I can go and just pick up my child and carry on um and it's and it's that's not the way at all. They always think, oh well, I can just turn up any time I want and do this or whatever it is. Your know, contact is generally set in stone. It, there there will be an, a, mo a note on there. I mean, I remember 
going through, I say, paperwork after paperwork, you know, finding literally the scrap of, of, of a sentence that basically told us what was the contact rules and what they were entitled, what they were entitled to a, on a yearly basis. And it was, it was, it was funny because as soon as that, that was there, it was, that was our, that, that was our sort of golden, again, our ace in the hole for any kind of, well, I want to see him at this point, or I want to see her at this point is, well, this says you can't this you know there was a point where um the the, the rule was for us anyway it was it was once a month for a year once a month so 12 times a year and i remember at one point because we hadn't really been told this we'd been giving them you know contact here and there and, and trying to sort of administer it and everything and by that time i think they, they, it was it was something like it was only june but she'd already had or they had already had something like 15 or 16 contacts so we basically said, no, it's going to have to be this. And when they argued, our initial reaction was, well, actually, you've already had your 12 contacts. You've had 16. Said only, it says only 12 a year. So you've had 16. So we can't simply just say, right, fine, it's June. You can see him again in January. Uh, you know, not, you know, and we don't want it to be like that. The last thing you want is for it to be uh, aggressive or co confrontational or anything like that. Um, but you have to look at the letter of law, especially if... if um, things like SGOs go in place. At that point, you are the special guardian. You are the, the one who's responsible for this child. If something goes wrong, uh, you, know, you are the one who, who basically takes the hit at that point, uh, whether it's in school, whether it's outside, whether it's wherever it is. Um, but I would definitely would recommend that you do get that finalised, even if it's just a case of knowing you know, together, all of you together, knowing, okay, this is what you can have. This is what, you know, later on, once they're older, once they can make their own decisions, you know, then we'll consider something else, whether we're looking at stayovers or, or going on holiday or whatever it would be. Um, if you still think that that's not possible, you can simply go back to that agreement and say, look, until he's 18, this is the, le the letter of the law. You know, a judge signed off on this. So, you know, if you, if you break this, then it, it technically is you breaking the law. Um, so there's definitely an aspect of that with with contact. Um, it's not easy. Um, it's probably, what I say, one of the hardest parts of contact. And it's definitely one of the things that people don't ever talk about, which is never a good thing. Um, for, to be honest, this probably this should be like day one. This is what contact should be. This is you know, have a look at what contact would be like. Um, you know, this is what it should be. This is how it can be administered. Uh, this is what it will be ongoing for the next until they're 18 or whatever it would be. Um, but you have to always remember that you are the one in charge at that point. So you can put your foot down at any point um, and say, this isn't working. And especially in regards to contact itself, if you think that there's a safeguarding issue, if they've come back and they've got bruises and everything like that, you can just stop contact straight away. If if you, you could sit there and say to them, look, if you don't turn off the contact, we will give you a three strike rule and the next you know, after three times that's it don't 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 bother turning up because we won't we won't um, we won't bring them or you can't we won't allow you to see them you know, you have the right at the end of the day to look at what the best interest of the child is and that is the general thing that you do need to remember is that it is always in the best interest of the child it's not in the best interest of yourself although you are a major part of it uh, it's not in the best interest of the parents even although they're a major part this is all to do with the child if the child at any point says i don't want to see that parent anymore i don't see that mum, dad whoever it is yep you can just sit there and say to them right well 
that's it. We don't we don't need we we don't need explanations. It could just be I don't want to go there because I don't like the house. I don't like the housemates. I don't like the new new partner. I don't like you know, the parents. I don't like doing things. That, you know, whatever it would be. You know, obviously, if it's a more serious issue, then it has to be escalated. But if it's simply just a case of they don't want to go, then you can't force them, and you and more importantly, you really shouldn't. Um, so with contact, you know, obviously you have to look at a lot of things. Just it's it's a hard aspect of of uh, of being a kinship care. Definitely one of the hardest parts. Um, I wish that there was more training. I wish there was more guidance on everything. I wish there was literally set in stone. This is what once you've got an SGO, this is what you can can't do or should do or you know, anything like that. Unfortunately, as with most things with information, and everything it's very rare that you get anything. Uh, but definitely. Um, would recommend uh, speaking to other people. If you are part of a kinship group, uh, you know, speak to other kinship carers, see how they manage it, uh, whether it's you know one partner does it because they get on with them a bit more or they, they, they tolerate them a bit more or something like that. Uh, but don't sit there and never think you know, that you, you, you can't say no because, as I say, the placement breaks down, you're back to square one. So And you, that can happen at any time. So that's definitely something to have a look at there. So that's all from me today. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, the easiest way is through our social media, through Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, through the usual website, through uh, the, web, uh, the the podcast itself. If you want to comment, please do share around. As I say, uh, we do want to make this the premier uh, kinship podcast uh, to, to get everything in place and you know, to, to have like almost like a, um, a guidebook, I suppose of uh, what you should do if you're a kinship carer. So as always, thank you very much for listening. My name's David. You've been listening to the Kinship Care Liverpool podcast.